What up, y'all? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up, and I have a very good friend of mine sitting with me. I have Miss Shabri Vickers. Say what's up to the people, Shabri. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to start off, y'all, I want to appreciate everybody who's been listening uh, to the African American Excellence series. You guys have probably just heard... Uh, who was Charles McGee? Y'all just heard him. You've heard Devin Horace or Devon, excuse me, Devon Horace. And uh, right now we're sitting with Shabri Vickers, another young, talented, bright person in Portland, Oregon. Um, anybody that's listening right now, if you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and share, subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, however you listen to Stitcher, hit that repost, do all that good stuff. Hit me up on uh, Instagram at SXSNDLS, on Twitter at SXSNDLS, and on uh, my personal Instagram, EmmanuelSense85. So, yeah, I mean, I, y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand who's sitting with me right now. Uh, Shabri is one of the most connected people in the town right now. Uh, she, she's doing a lot in the community, and she has been for some for some time. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about 2011 she's newsmaker of the year as awarded by the royal rosarians 2012 woman of excellence as awarded by the delta sigma theta sorority incorporated gotta put the incorporated in there right? mm-hmm, you do. Um, <laughs> 2012 the pagoda award winner as awarded by big brothers big sisters columbia northwest 2012 again light of fire emerging leader award by P- portland monthly magazine 2012 again 2012 was a good year for you (laughs) it was an interesting year spirit of portland award emerging leader by city of portland 2012 again portland human rights award emerging leader by portland human rights commission 2014 freedom fighter award roosevelt high school 2015 six man award by nike 2015 again raven m k wood emerging leader so you got to understand her accolades speak for themselves once again, y'all, Miss Shabri Vickers. Shabri, why why are you so awesome? What's what's going on right now? Uh, there, there. I know there's something you're supposed to say when someone asks you that question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I um, I I mean, I think there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of stuff to do, and I just am here trying to do it. You working? Attempting to. You are working. <laughs> Attempting to. Yeah. So as we were talking about about before, we go back. Yeah. We yeah. go back to man a long time ago. Cause I started working at Nationwide. I'll say that because we ain't working there. Anymore. Yeah, they ain't in Portland no more. <laughs> so we there can say go. their name. Uh, I want to say 2008 is when I started. Yeah, I think I mistaken. was there in 2006. 2006. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's 2018. That was that was a while ago. Ten years. We been a decade. I know. That's it was before crazy. you had before you had kids. Yeah, right before I had Elijah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know you since then. Yep. We used to chop it up, have some deep conversations at work. <laughs> yeah, I still be thinking about how did I do that? Because I was in sales <laughs> and I was supposed to be on the phone and I was never on the phone. Like, I was That's over why my... you don't work there no more. No, I know. <laughs> That's why they shut down Portland. <laughs> exactly I wasn't why. holding on my end of the bargain. No, uh, no. I think we just, I mean, it, I, I still have incredible lifelong friends that I garnered from, from Nationwide. And yeah. um, I, I think it was just a place that was 
you know, a good good time to connect. We spent a lot of time with each other. I mean, I, I feel like you always build close relationships with folks at work. Work. Um, and for me, I mean, work, <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier, it's both what I do, you know, and I get a paycheck for it, but work mm-hmm. for me doesn't necessarily end when, at, you know, it's not a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a nine to nine. There's no real time that ends um, when you're doing community work. It's just always... It's always continuous. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember specifically one day, <laughs> I was talking to you because, like, you know, you was always telling me about what you was doing mm-hmm. outside of work when you were um, helping out with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Yeah, yeah. And then I, you were on some board at Nationwide. I don't mm-hmm. know what you were running. What what was it? Like it was the employee engagement. So it was the yeah. neighbor or Nationwide um, Association. Goodness. Employ- it was like an employee association thing. Right. So I helped to run um, uh, employee engagement type things. And then we also did um, like community engagement work through mm-hmm. that. So when com- when our employees wanted to work together or volunteer or connect to a nonprofit collectively mm-hmm. as a work group, yeah. then I helped to lead that. And I was the president of that organization right before I left, which right. actually kind of led me into the work that I got to do later. Yeah. So I remember you was doing that and yep. then you were helping out with Big Brothers. Yeah. And you were doing that a lot. And I was like, so you got two jobs? <laughs> and he's like, no, I volunteer. I was like, what? Yes. You volunteer? Like, you are putting in work over there. Yeah. I'm, I specifically remember one day I was like, I was like, why, why are you here? Why do you work here? <laughs> I was like, this is not for you. Like, this little office <laughs> you job. Did, I remember you saying that. Like, why are you even here? You I was like, what, I was like what are you doing? Like, yeah. you, I was like, you're amazing. Like, you shouldn't be uh-huh. here. Like, yeah, you got, your, your talents supersede this place. I, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is I absolutely remember you having that conversation with me, which was a long, a long ass time ago. But, um, I mean, I think we, first of all, I mean, I was, I mean, back when, I mean, I'm 33 now. So a, a decade ago, I, I mean, you know, I was 23, 24, 25, literally just trying to like, not even, I wouldn't even say make a name for myself. I was just trying to gather, um, knowledge, just trying to find, uh, find out more. I, I think... You know, anytime, I mean, you were talking about, you know, many of the different awards uh, that I've gotten that are connected to a lot of the work that I've done, but also a lot of the volunteer work for me. And I, you know, there's the whole, um, there's the quote, you know, volunteer work and and community community work and and, uh, service is the rent that we pay for our our time here on earth. Mm. Um, And I, I totally messed that up, so. It sounds good. No, it's it's way better when it's like okay. actually correct. I should like Google that real quick and make sure I get it right. I'm pretty. Is it? Is I think it's Chis, uh, Shirley Chisholm who said that. Okay. Um, and I, that might be wrong too. So like, um, you know, it's y'all y'all it's can late fact, right now. y'all can fact check yes. it and let us know. <laughs> there on, you go. But essentially, I mean, there's there's that. I think that was always a drive for me, right? Um, I I went through a lot growing up, and I know that a lot of the people who I mean, I know a lot of the reason why I am the person that I am is because other people poured into me, mm-hmm. other people poured into community organizations, other people, you know, I went to boys and girls clubs when I was little here in Portland. I went to um, all kinds of different, you know, OMSI groups when I was young and all kinds of, you know, uh, summer 
camps and things uh, that were free because mm. we were we were hella poor, so mm-hmm. none of the like expensive things, but little free. Do they still things. have free stuff for kids, like Portland parks, Rec, and all that. Type yes, of stuff? there are okay. there are some things, but I, not I think not nearly like as much be. as it used to be. Because I mean, as a parent now, mm-hmm. like the summer is a whole. I mean, I have to plan and and you know save for the summer. But anyway, I remember going to Peninsula Park. Yes, and being yeah. there all day and getting lunch. At, like I don't even think we were supposed to be getting food like that. Cause I don't, you know what I mean? But like I just remember as a kid just being gone in the summer. Yeah. Now you can't just do that. I don't know that you would want to. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. I think we're also hyper aware of a lot of things that are going on, yeah. and so you know, um, so we kind of put that and I think box ourselves in because we see things all the time. It's mm. not just. It's not just what's on the newspaper anymore. It's not just what you heard from, you know, Auntie and, and so-and-so. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you see it all the time. You hear about something. And so yeah. that I think that's changed how we behave in the in the world. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, and so I just say that, you know, um, there's a lot of work to be done. And someone's got to do it. And especially for us as a community, I think doing the good work is um, just a part of who I am. Both because I was poured into. Um and also because, uh, you know, I don't want Layla, my daughter, to look back in 20, 30 years and be like, Mom, so all this stuff was going on and you didn't have, you weren't doing anything. You mm. weren't trying to fix anything. You mm. weren't like, you weren't about anything. Like you, you know, you told me, you know, you have the one tattoo I have on my body is the word revolution mm. and it's all in its place. So the only way to read it is with my fist in the air. Right. right? So I don't want That's her to good. be like. You did all this stuff. You got a tattoo, you you know, and you weren't really about it. Like, mm. that would be horrible. I think mm. that would be, you know, they say when you're on your deathbed, you don't talk about how many more hours of work you should have done. They talk about how you were connected to your kids and your family. Mm-hmm. But also, hopefully, you you know, it's always about, like, wanting to make a difference, make a ripple in this world. Hopefully, that, like, changes someone else, someone else's life for the better. And I have been impacted by so many people, mm-hmm. um, whether it was when I was homeless or whether it was just when I wasn't feeling amazing, you know, the power that one person has to change the trajectory of someone's life, um, I think is something that I've received on so many different ends. And so I have to also make sure that I change something for someone else. Now, so you grew up in Portland or did you grow up in Cali? Both. 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 Okay. So I was, I was, I'm officially a Californian. I was born in Cali. Okay. uh, Born in LA County. Yeah. Um, But when I was an infant, my mom and my dad moved up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was here, went to King, went to Vernon. Okay. Yeah, grew up on uh, Alberta. I went to Jack's when I was little, got some JoJo's. You Why know? did I never see you in the community? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we probably did see each other, but I was young. we were all young. you know. No, so but we... I know everybody in Portland. <laughs> well, when, I, when I met you, I was like, I don't know her. Everybody says that. The funny thing <laughs> is, so I was here until I was about 10. Okay. And then my mom and dad split, and she moved back down to California, where her family is okay. primarily originally from. Mm. My, my dad stayed here in the Pacific Northwest and has been in here in Vancouver essentially ever since yeah um and then so I went to middle and high school in California okay so the time when you really start building the relationship right. when you really start remembering everybody I was in Cali I said you wouldn't have no SCI dances no I, you wouldn't have no Vincent Jeff basketball games I wasn't, games. I, so wasn't. I was like hold on I, I know I know so I you know I missed the whole like demos or whatever mm-hmm. and I always hear it um I, but I think it was a blessing also because Portland is small 
is very small. Uh, the black community within Portland is also very small. We are extremely present. We are here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I hate when people talk about there's no black people here. There's a ton of us here. Uh, and we've been here for a minute. But um, a little scattered. But. Yes. Middle and high school was down in California. Okay. And then I went okay. to Howard from California, came back and moved here. I've been here for, you know, two thirds of my life. Man, t- tell the people about, I'm going to talk about a few things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go forward. And I'm going to go backwards. Okay. Maybe. I don't know what the timeline is exactly. But <laughs> okay. tell the people about why you went to Howard. And if you haven't had a, if they haven't had an HBCU experience, Ooh. what is so amazing? I went to TSU. <sighs> But Howard is the East Coast. That's a, that's a different HBCU experience that's yeah. from the South. So tell people about that. Um, man, Howard, mm. HU, mm. Bison, all my folks that are listening, y'all hey. already know. Like I don't know <laughs> if I can place this into words necessarily, but what I will what what I will and what I can say is for anyone growing up on the West Coast, where um, you know the connection to pure not pure I don't want to say pure the connection to blackness in a way that you aren't able to really capture here. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in Portland where we're, you know, just a small percentage of whatever, mm-hmm. you can still surround yourself with amazing black people and mm-hmm. amazing black community and amazing black organizations and entities and all kinds of things that give you an, a, a really robust black experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Yet and still you but are going to be engaging, education. right? But yet and still you're still going to have to be engaging with uh, with other people, white people in particular, in a whole different way. Now, right. when you go to an HBCU, first of all, like just it is beautiful, mm. it is brilliant, it is it's it there you cannot escape the brilliance and the um, robust and rich and it is just i mean you have and and you can be whoever you are fully in every single way shape or form you understand you are able to understand at a much deeper level and i think simply based upon numbers that we can be whoever we want to be we you do not have to box yourself in Mm-mm. you do not have to only like only listen i mean i think when i went to howard i remember thinking Outside of the fact that it was just beautiful, I was looking around me like, oh my goodness, this is it. Like, I just wanted to, like, if it was like coconut oil or shea butter, I just wanted to, like, rub it off. Like, yes, thank you. It was like vitamin D, the vitamin D you need when you don't right. have it here. It's yeah. just reflected off of the black people who are there. Oh, but um, I remember looking around the quad, like, man, they're every single type of person mm-hmm. that you would associate, like, on any other, you know, in high school, there's all the cliques, right? There's mm-hmm. like this and that and that. There's still the cliques there. There's still the. Girls who were rocking stilettos, walking up, and anyone who went to Howard knows. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were, if any, you were one of the HBCU. girls, if you were one of the girls rocking this, I play ball, and yeah. I, I mean, and I still like wear, I still wear stilettos to this day, but I did not wear stilettos walking up and down. Not that, on the yard, though. not on the yard, yeah. not at Mecca. If you've been there, it's a whole thing. Um, anyways, not to denigrate women who are wearing stilettos because I love me a good stiletto, but you had everything. You had, you had. The nerds, I'm a card-carrying nerd, so I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you had nerds, you had all the sororities and fraternities, you mm-hmm. had all the different teams, you had the folks that were like anti-Greek organizations, mm-hmm. you had the academics, you had everything, and they were all amazing and beautiful in every single shade, color um, of blackness. You had um, brilliance wrapped up in everything. Mm-hmm. Brilliance wrapped up even in that which we oftentimes are told to denigrate today, yeah. right? Like. Um, you had folks, I mean, one of my best friends, 
who was there, who's now my daughter's godfather. Uh, big ups to Phil. Um, he used to rock. Do you remember back those uh, those long tees? You remember back in the day when the people wore tees. the tall tees? Oh yeah, oh, I remember that. That was, I was, that was me freshman <laughs> sophomore year. That was the worst. The tallest thing. of tees. I know that like you know stuff comes back, but please don't ever our men out there don't bring them long tees back. You know those they're were... gonna come back. So no. that was what what year is that? That was two thousand three, two thousand four. Let's pull that back. So when when my son is in college, <laughs> no, when, he's, when, when, he's, when he's like in high school. Everything is like a twenty-year cycle. I know. But so in twenty years, the tall tees gonna come back. I mean, they, they kind of made a little resurgence recently. Did they? Just Did a they little know? bit. Like when 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 cats was wearing skinny jeans with like tall oh, tees, they they yeah. were kind of doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, but not as. But those were baggy. Those were like hella baggy. Remember back in the everybody was wearing hella baggy. Anyways, yeah. I'm saying that because Phil used to rock them those tees. And the reason I'm saying this is because he would rock the tees and the jerseys. You remember when we were wearing oh, yeah. like all the jersey dresses and stuff? Yep. And Phil is brilliant. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone who's who was there, everyone who, you don't just have to be in college, right? You don't have to just be connected to that. But um, you were able to see at Howard all of the different facets of who any person could be. We all just happened to be black. And yeah. um, it was brilliant. And you knew that everyone was there for a reason. You knew that everyone was there to better ourselves. And we also knew that many people who were there would be going back to communities mm-hmm. um, and taking back not just this literal knowledge that they were gaining from books and from the time spent there, but this collect like you knew that we were going to collectively go back to our communities instilled with um, agency and uh, a capacity to love ourselves and that you didn't necessarily always find in other places. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about like folks who grow up on the West Coast, yeah. And not that there's something inherently wrong with the West Coast, but you just don't have the legacy and some of the established hundred year, you know, uh, old black churches. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe now because, you know, because it's a long time and it's 2018. But what I'm saying (laughs) is like you don't have the same amount of, um, you know, legacy families and things that are on the East Coast that that helped to develop some of the HBCUs. The culture is rich. But what I will say is there are some there are some things that are not necessarily great there, right? You have, we were also able to, in that, in that experience, um, build up elitist kind of things. And so mm-hmm. when I got there, I saw a lot of things that were amazing and brilliant and things that I, like I said, it still felt like just, you know, vitamin D that I wanted to rub yeah. all over. Um, and I also saw some of what, uh, what wasn't as great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I think it was a brilliant experience. I would never change it. And I would right. tell everyone, at least go on a black college tour and gather a little bit of that if you're on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And if you can't go. And, I mean, HU was, I mean, it is, HU is HU. Howard is, you know, the real, the only HU. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, that's that's real, though, man. Like, uh, I don't know what it is about at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been so, because I don't even think about it. It's, it's kind of a, a privilege, you know, to have gone mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. being from the West Coast and having that experience and yeah. coming back. Yeah. Um. And it's like I was able to scratch that itch that we all really have. Mm-hmm. No, no matter how much you want to say, no, I'm good, bro. I'm cool at home. Like, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So but, you know, I'm thinking about how everyone's getting excited about Black Panther right now, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, Black Panther's about to come out. We all know we're talking about what we're gonna wear. Who's gonna bring in some chicken? <laughs> who's gonna bring in their right. their wicker chair? Right? Like, and just blackety black, black, black. And I love it. 
and the camaraderie that we all feel around that I feel is almost like what being at an HBCU is like, right? Like you just like we all know, we all get it, like we all come together around that. Mm-hmm. And and again, we all know we're going back to our spaces, like with this instilled brilliance, love of ourselves. I remember my mom came back and she was like, "Man, you just you just came back real black." And I was like, "Mom, <laughs> I was like, first of all, and that is complicated on so many levels." <laughs> I don't know if we have time to get into all that, but I was like, yeah, that's true. And it and it is. And I and mm-hmm. I would never remove that um experience. And I would I would absolutely always say that people should go and do that. But we also have to support those things because our HBCUs definitely need money. And so I know that there have been a lot of groups, a lot of yeah. people who have been um building up kind of the alumni network so that we can yeah. give back. Yeah. Because that experience might not always be there. People are questioning, is it valuable? Who's questioning? Yeah. There's us. a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people. And so I think yeah. we have to instill in, and as we continue to climb up and build up ourselves, we have to make sure that that experience is still there for our kids because it might not always be. Yeah. Well, I encourage anybody that has somebody, you know, a son, daughter, niece, nephew in high school, if they haven't thought about it, man, put that bug in their ear. Like Sheree said, try to get them on a black college tour because that's, I mean, I took a little baby tour like my dad because like i was kind of getting recruited for football or whatever but mm-hmm. it was kind of like late in the in the term so yeah oh dad i just i just want to visit yeah took me down there like in june and i had already like got accepted or whatever but i yeah. wasn't 100 percent sure I, yeah. man you and i, I got on the tiger that. walk bro i seen all them people <laughs> i was like oh man i was like dad i ain't never come <laughs> I ain't never I coming know. home, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. and he, he took me. He, he, my God bless my dad, man. He took me to California. I seen a few schools down there. San Diego State took me to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Just, just me and him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we Arizona, Arizona State. Yeah. And some beautiful campuses, man. Yeah. But like when I like what you said when your your first day. Yeah. Like my first day, I sat in the student center steps, right in the middle of Tiger Walk, and literally I just sat there for two hours. Right. I don't even know if I might have missed my first class. That day. <laughs> I just I was like, man, they, they just keep coming. Yeah, like look at all these. Black, I was like, oh my god! Like I was literally in culture shock of my yeah. own people. Yeah, because I hadn't been surrounded by that. Well, and it's like everything is run by, managed by, coordinated by, kept up by, mm-hmm. you know, changed by us. Yeah, so and when you're amazing, it also is amazing because when some when something goes down and you need to fix it, it's also us that we get to deal with. So you yeah. can act, you know, which is which is a lot. It's, it's something it's a else, lot, but it also um, the financial aid building in any oh, HBCU is wait, a, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a customer. We have we do have to get <laughs> we do have to get our folks ready. Like prepare, definitely. prepare yourself. Right, you need some patience. Just go ahead and just <laughs> store need, up some patience. Right, get them good walking <laughs> shoes on. Because as many times as I walked up, down, back, around, had to come back. They weren't. Wait, I went Ooh, on I a full ride scholarship and still had to like verify that I was legit. It took me oh, yeah. hours before they wanted to give me anything mm. that was like my dorm room. I was like, but I'm I'm like legit. <laughs> I like my. I don't even have any papers because it's already done. It still was a whole thing. So mm-hmm. like, get ready. But it is worth it. It's it absolutely is. worth it's it. So worth it. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um. So going back, so you talked about being homeless. I never heard this story. What happened? When, when was that? Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of a col- connected, you know, kind of all like uh, a few things. It was uh, house, uh, houselessness, homelessness, all of that wrapped up into one. When my I mentioned that my mom and dad split when I was about ten, mm-hmm. we moved back down to Southern California, and um, I think that a part of her moving back down there was getting closer to 
what she felt was family and support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think everyone knows um, it, support isn't always, it's not just like a box that someone hands you and it's mm-hmm. just easy. And she went back and she was a single mom with three kids, mm-hmm. always worked. She was college educated. She did it the way that she was supposed to, right? Went to college, met someone, got married, had kids, um, and it just didn't work out. And so um, she still always worked. And again, being college educated, she could she could get jobs that were better than, you know, probably folks who didn't have that experience or didn't have that background. Mm-hmm. Yet it didn't keep her from the perils of what poverty is, mm-hmm. especially generational poverty, right? Mm-hmm. She grew up in um, a single mother home who uh, was raised by a single mother who was raised by a single mother who was, ra- you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and generational poverty is real. And, um, and so all of those things wrapped up into one. She went back home, thought family would support her. And I think family supported her as much as they could. Um, but, but still stuff still got hard. And so I remember, I mean, all the things about, I mean, for anyone who's ever had to go through it, right? Like vouchers, like mm-hmm. motel vouchers and stuff like that. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I distinctly remember one night, I don't even remember how old I was, but uh, I remember we had gotten a voucher so that we weren't going to be out on the streets. And um, I remember my mom like looking through her purse, looking through everything that she had all her pockets and like putting onto the table in the little hotel room, like just a handful of change. Mm-hmm. And that was all that she had. That was literally what she had. And it was literally like, we need to count this up to like find out how much we have. Mm-hmm. And and it, it wasn't just like the silver change. This was like the pennies, the everything, mm-hmm. like the pennies with the gum on it from the bottom <laughs> of your like this, this was it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and we made it, we're, we're here. Uh, but we, you know, spent many nights in her van, um, in whichever car, you know, she had. We couch surfed, not mm. even couch surf, floor, you know, pa- everybody remembers a pallet. Mm. Sometimes pallets were fun when you stayed over at like, you know, auntie's house or grandma's house. Some For us, pallets were oftentimes what we had mm. uh, if we were staying in someone's house. Mm-hmm. Or um, my mom would rent a room in someone's house and mm-hmm. all of us would be in there. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just, I mean, real life. And, and I mean, and the crazy thing is my mom did this, not did this, this happened while she was working. Mm. Um, but she, first of all, I just give an honor to my mom and all single moms. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom myself, but just my mom through all of that, uh, made sure that she kept us in the best schools I always had incredible grades. Um, I think was which was one of the reasons I was able to get to Howard because I always ha- had a high GPA, and I still volunteered a million in a million different things when I was in high school. But um, she just kept us in the best schools that she could find mm-hmm. um, to ensure she knew that education for us was going to be a way to a better uh, a better outcome. And so, anyways, I mean it was real. I, I remember leaving when I was in high school because I would say most of the the time that we were. It was really hard was when we were in high school, which for me is, it's not like it was when I was two. It's not like when I was, you know, it was, I was much older. And mm-hmm. so I still remember all of what that feels like. I still remember, um, in particular, leaving a championship basketball game in high school. And everybody, you know, was exciting. Everybody was like, oh, we did this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we had the orange slices and everything that somebody's <laughs> mama had cut. And, um, and then going out to the car, and thinking to myself as I was like walking from the gym and getting into the car, like this is where we were gonna stay that night. Mm. So everyone else was going home to get in the shower, get in their bed, you know, and that was where we were gonna stay. I remember like that was when it kind of hit me. Mm. Um, I was like, damn, 
this is hard. And I mean, I always knew it was hard, but mm. I always also felt like, I mean, I still feel like we had it much better than other people. Mm. And I say that because they're, I mean, my mom was able to advocate for us in the only way that she knew how to because of everything that she had benefited from with regard to college and having and working. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, if it was that bad for us, how was it for folks who didn't have as much as my mom had? And right. so I always just thought that, you know, it, uh, it was what it was, but people had it way worse, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I rem- but, you know, she she did a- amazing stuff to make sure we were okay. And I lift her up and will always honor her no matter what, you know, we go through or disagreements or whatever. My mom is amazing. She's brilliant. And uh, Man, shout out to she's moms, the person, right? Holding it down. Yeah, Mother's Day is coming around. I'm like, you remind me that I'm going to have to go get her something good. Yeah. Especially good this year. So, Man, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So so your mom sounds like she's a very positive person. She's amazing. Like. Even when stuff isn't positive, she's positive. Yeah. In the way that my only moms are, right? When you're like, Mom, I need you to just be sad with me. She's like, I'm going to pray and it's going to be amazing. Right. You know? So. Yeah. 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 Because to be in that situation... Um, and for you not, cause being in that situation is tough, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like in life, there's always going to come situations that are mm-hmm. going to be tough, but it's like, do you let that situation define you? Mm-hmm. Do you let, do you let your mindset be wrapped up mm-hmm. in your circumstance? Or are you thinking about greater things mm-hmm. at all times? You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds I mean, like I your mom. My, yeah. My, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to no, you off. good. Yeah. But it sounds like your mom wasn't consumed with her circumstance at that time. I think she was dealing with it, but I think she was also, and that was why I said she benefited from, and we benefited from the fact that she had amazing education already. You know, she'd had the chance Mm -hmm. to be involved in, um, in, in a working industry that where she understood and could advocate for herself. And so I think that that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. She, um, I mean, you know, my mom never attempted to rely on for years and years and years, um, like government assistance or anything like that. But when we had to, mm-hmm. then she would do it. But she also knew how to advocate for herself because, you know, poverty is real. And, and for me, it's not it's not even necessarily wrapped up in like the fact that one person has more money or not. It's the fact that poverty decreases choice. Mm-hmm. And for me, anyone who knows me or hopefully folks who really know me know that the work that I'm about is not about taking someone um I don't believe that someone who has more money and someone who has less money is better or worse holistically as a person. Mm-hmm. I just recognize in this in the country that we're in, in the capitalist society that we're in, if you mm-hmm. have more money, you have more choice. Um, right. And not even necessarily just more choice to go buy, say, I want to buy these shoes versus these shoes. The fact that, um, you know, credit scores and all these kinds of things totally affect the way you are even able to engage in the world and the way that people behave with you. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have a good enough credit score, then people get to treat you like whatever. Mm -hmm. And they do. And that's your experience in life. Um, And I'm going into a whole tangent here, but essentially I'm just saying that, um, you know, for me, it's about choice. And I think that uh, the more that we can reduce uh, lack of choice, the more that we can hand people the opportunity to make a choice around self-determination for whatever it is that they want, mm-hmm. then that's that's what the work is about for me. It's not about just making sure that everyone goes to an Ivy League school. We already talked about the fact that I think HBCUs are amazing, like yeah. full force, but um, it's about making sure that people have the choice to do and, and make a decision as to how they want their, their world to be. Hmm. 
That's what's up. I mean, that that kind of gives more insight to, you know, why you are working as hard as you are. Like, you've had experience mm-hmm. where you don't want nobody else to go through that. Well, and I think, you know, even when I think about when I was working at Big Brothers Big Sisters, I remember some, I remember a parent saying to me once, um, you know, I didn't really want to ask you about this because I just felt a little bit, because um, we used to help, you know, if a family had needed food or something like that mm-hmm. you know we would work with them uh, or connect them to make sure they were connected to organizations that could help them with that i didn't you know i felt a little bit embarrassed and i was like girl i've i've been here mm-hmm. like i've not only have i been here i have been sustained off of food boxes i you know i know all about it mm-hmm. um and so i think if anything it probably helped me in all the work that i have been doing because i know exactly what it's like i know mm-hmm. what it's like i mean I, I remember even with layla you know um I remember when my lights got turned off and I lived in an apartment, and this was while I was here in Portland, mm-hmm. that happened to have a fireplace. And I never mm-hmm. really thought anything about it. when I first moved into it. I went and got a like a pack of wood because mm-hmm. I thought, I'm like, oh, one day I'm going to you know, make a fire and stuff. It's going to be cute. We're going to roast some marshmallows. Never did because I don't know how to light me fire. But that, that pack of wood was sitting in the fireplace as if I was eventually going to light it. Yeah. My lights got turned off. And it was like dead winter. It was one of these winters when we had like ridiculous snow here in Portland, which you they know. can't turn your lights off in the winter, ain't that against the law? No, they. Oh, man. <laughs> lights get turned What's off. What's going on? Anyway, so lights were turned off, electricity was off, you know, heat, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I knew it was only going to be turned off until, you know, next payday, right? The whole, everybody knows pay, you know, right. payday to payday. And uh, I was like, but I have that wood though. So mm. I told, and Layla was so young, she doesn't even, she doesn't even remember this. She, you know, probably won't, won't ever remember this, but I was like, we're going to be, it's going to be like camping. And so um, I told her, put all your jackets on, you know, we're going to like use your, um, I think she had like a princess, uh, like sleepover, you know, um, sleeping kind bag. of sleeping bag. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to sleep in front of the fire. It's going to be like camping. And she thought it was amazing. Cause right. I think she was like two or three or something. Oh, like she's that. having a blast. Yeah. So she thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And I was like, nah, it's freezing, but this is the only place <laughs> we're going to get this heat. Right. And I learned how to make a fire that night. Word. And, um, and we, you know, we had a fire and, um, it was a few days until I was going to get paid. And so I was like, what do I do? I have like $10. And you remember five dollar footlongs from Subway oh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So I went, and we got a we got some Subway sandwiches and lived off of them Subway sandwiches. Layla did. I did. Mm. You know, I didn't eat much during those times, but I just made sure that like I you know cut up. She had a three inch. She was little, so she could mm. do a three inch. Mm. You know, that was for she was good for a few days, mm. and uh, until we got paid, and and I got not we got paid until I got paid. Yeah, and stuff was back to where it needed to be. Um, but that was me working full time. You mm. know, and so I just think of um. It, the struggle is real and I know that whether you've been to college whether you have a job it's real and uh, and I've been there and so for any of the people that I've ever worked with who were ever concerned if I knew what it was like or if I mean I went through this when I was young as a single mom I've had to deal with stuff also with my daughter and mm-hmm. so it, it's never I'm never it's never below me it's it is me I understand I've been there you know and I what I do now that I don't have to worry about if my lights are going to be turned off or anything like that. That is one of the first bills I pay every yeah. single time. <laughs> See, I ain't messing around paid. with that. Me, I just want you to know that was so the I first got, bill. I ain't got a paid. fireplace in this spot, right? So <laughs> no, it, with or without a fireplace, that's yeah. one of the first bills that like, always gets paid. But what I concern myself with now is how generational poverty for me um, shapes my behavior mm. and the way that I exist in the world. Because it's not because nece- it's and I also think it's not just necessarily about like. Here, let me give you fifty thousand dollars. You're gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Nah, like, cause if I don't know how to even live in the world 
with that much money, I'm not going to know how to necessarily start setting myself up for success. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, go invest. Oh, go do these things. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the way that we engage in the world when we're wrapped up in a mindset that is first bound by poverty, that is Mm -hmm. first bound by deficit totally changes the way we even look at how we innovate, how we think about, like when you think about entrepreneurship or um, building something you've never seen, Mm -hmm. we are far more limited when we are always concerned about what's the cost. How much is this going to take? What, you know, am I going to be able to eat tomorrow if I, you know, Mm -hmm. and not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think we as a community have found incredible strength and innovation um, simply because we've had to, Mm -hmm. because we had to make something work. Mm -hmm. But I also recognize that there, I behaviorally am limited because I don't know how to think outside of the box at all times. And so I'm always kind of questioning myself. Am I thinking about this because... Or am I not taking this step because I'm always just worried about money? And if so, how do I ask myself, what are the things I'm not considering? So there's that. But I think there's also um, asking myself, how do I pass those things down to Layla? Right. And so um, because she has not lived in the life where I mean, she that was when she was two or three. But I don't think she remembers it. Yeah. So for her life, you know, lights are good. Food, mm-hmm. She's always just like, you know, can we eat out here? Can we do this here? Can we mm-hmm. whatever? And that's great. And I, and I love that. Um and I also just want to make sure that I'm not giving her, I'm not limiting her capacity to think in an exorbitant, amazing way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm usually always concerned about cost and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, and I think she has amazing people that are around her that help her there's to some, see the world There's some practicality fully. about that, though. I mean, you got to yeah. be practical. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, well, practical, and I think, you know, one of the magical things, this is a totally, I'm kind of going to veer off here, but I... I think there's practicality and I think that a part of our struggle has been that we have been able to, well, we've had to imagine ourselves out of really horrible situations. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we have, we have this capacity, this in, in, um, this absolute inherent capacity to imagine ourselves out of horrific situations, mm-hmm. we've been able to do stuff without, you know, without anything. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think that that only comes from, this struggle, right? So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I ask myself constantly, am I not, am I not thinking about this in a different way? And if I were, how far would I be able to imagine this next thing that I want to do? How far could I take this? Mm-hmm. And so it's not denigrating it, but it's also just saying, I mean, when I think about, you know, you ask why or how do I do some of this work? When I think about like, you know, my grandmother what she went through, my great grandmother, the stuff they went through and what, and people way back when, when I'm talking about chattel slavery, the folks who were looking at the door of no return that we talk about, Mm -hmm. the horrors and the stuff that they went through, I can't even, I mean, I get mad when somebody called, when somebody's like, how do I say your name? Can I touch your hair? And I'm, and and I should, rightly so, I should get mad at that. (laughs) But when I think about the stuff that they went through, like, I don't even know how to fathom some of that stuff. And to think of where we are now and to think of the only way that I mean, because we are we are the people who made it through. We're the people who made it through all of that, through the middle passage, through the, you know, original kidnapping, through all of the I mean, I, I don't there's probably a different word that's better than horror, but we made it through all of that. But we made it through because there were some of us who were able to literally think and imagine ourselves into a better state. Mm. Um, and so with that. When I'm sitting here being mad about, you know, some politician calling us out of our names or somebody doing this, I'm like, okay, the folks by which I come from, the ilk from which I'm built, Mm -hmm. they've been through way worse. I got this. 
I'm not saying it's not mm-hmm. it's it's not also hard to go through the stuff we go through and that mm-hmm. our struggle right now isn't real, but like we've we the blood that runs through my veins has been through way worse. Mm-hmm. So I got this. Yeah. And so that pushes me and we gotta do way more. I can't I mean I can be tired, like physically, literally tired. Mm-hmm. And I need to take a breath, do some self care, and then keep moving because there's a lot more we can do. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Um, you know, you're. It's it's tough when you start thinking about like what they went through and mm-hmm. what are things that kind of make us uncomfortable or whatever the case might be. It always pales in comparison. Yeah. But unless unless you've been through that or had to go through that, like you know, mm-hmm. you just you, you can't you you can never know. Right. And. Your experience is your experience. Your mm-hmm. your struggle is your struggle. Yeah, and it's still real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's still real. So it's yeah. just like, but it's it's crazy. To I, it's like, you think about it. You stu- I study it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I try not to because it's like, man, I don't. I just be thinking about like I would have got killed. Oh, absolutely. Like I would have been on. I would have been organizing a revolt or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not turning up in the house yeah. I, would, I mean i would literally i would rather die as a, mm-hmm. as opposed to just mm-hmm. getting beat and whipped and you know my well, wife I mean, I my, my people... wife getting raped and i got a raised master son like nah like mm-hmm. i'm about to <laughs> i'm well, like i think there, there were people who, who oh, yeah. died i mean oh, yeah, you think of, of yeah you think of, i mean nat turner is the one that we know of and the one mm-hmm. we've heard of because you know what happened was so was so um it was monumental but right? the ones that weren't effective but there were many who died there were many we've heard the stories about women who killed their babies before letting them be a part of you know Mm -hmm. the slavery Mm -hmm. you know there's a book that I read recently um, called Homegoing by Yaa Jassy and it is amazing it essentially talks about um, two sisters Mm -hmm. who uh, one was sold off into slavery Mm -hmm. and you know left through the door of no return and the other sister uh, stayed in Ghana and lived through the civil wars and things that were there. Mm, and it follows wow. their entire lineage. Wow. It follows Is it their... a true story? No, I don't think so. It's, it's, but home, it's... home going. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's amazing. And it follows their entire lineage to present day. And present day, they each come back to, or, you know, they're, they're the two, um, the, the two final you know, folks trees, are, yeah. Yeah, are back in Ghana. Wow. And it's just... I mean, I keep thinking back to that because the first of all, the writing is is epic, and um, and it's and the symbolism in so many things is is amazing. Go on and Amazon, right? You have to get that book, get the hardback version. Yeah. Don't let anyone else like uh, don't don't give that one to anyone else. You know what I'm saying? You write your name in it and some sharpie. Don't it's put in no pencil. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I think it just it reminds me of. Yes, the horrors that we've gone through. Yes, what we've been through. But how far we've come. It mm. also reminds me of and continues to talk about um, what what we've been through and how it's affected us and how it still affects our children to this day. So when I think about some of the things that are weighing on me, and, and you know, we talk about um, somatic, uh, what is it, somatic genes. We, we talk about how uh, trauma affects us you know mm-hmm. but if you've if you've had it yourself but you know people are talking about how people who were in the middle of the great depression um you know you can see in their genes how it affected their kids and their kids and their kids that's real so yeah. you're talking about just the great depression now this didn't this happened in the 30s right and mm-hmm. so you're talking about that still is affecting people now and you can mm-hmm. see it in people's genes mm-hmm. and that was one experience oh yeah it was a great hard experience for many people i don't want to denigrate that reality but when you talk about for us 
and what we have been through. And this is not the oppression Olympics in any way, shape, or form. But when you talk but, about I mean, just the reality of what we, the reality of what we know with genes and somatic kind of, I don't, I don't know the full physiological words for everything, but essentially mm-hmm. we know that trauma gets passed down. It does through genes mm-hmm. to to us. What we carry and what we're literally walking through the world with on a daily basis is a lot. Is uh, a yes. lot. Dr. And I Joy DeGruy. Uh, yes, the post-traumatic slave uh, oh, syndrome. Yes, yeah. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Her books are brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's that's very true. But it's even deeper than I think we realize, right? And I mm-hmm. think that self-care you know someone was talking about me you've heard that you know just living Mm -hmm. right now is is revolutionary just living and existing is you know me resisting and fighting against everything and it is because of what we like literally in our genes carry um but i think one of the differences is there is value in when we understand with all that we carry and with as much as we've been able to do right Mm -hmm. whether it's become the president of the united states with regard to the history of the United States mm-hmm. or it's, um, you know, someone like my mom having been homeless yet kept her, you know, three kids going all, you know, in college or, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever, whatever it looks like just existing. Now we, um, have really been able to do a lot. And, and I think if once we see and feel and understand that incredible beauty that we have, that no one else not that no one else has. We have a very special, um, amazing capacity to deal with a lot mm-hmm. and to keep it moving and to still be excellent. 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 Mm-hmm. On top of everything. I mean, I just, I'm excited to see the excellence that will be in the room. You know, when we're talking about things like the Black Panther parties that everybody's going to be going to and just mm-hmm. all, or that everyone maybe at this time will have already been to. Mm-hmm. You know, the photos are going to be amazing. Uh, check your Instagram. Um, but I mean, just what we do, we do amazing things. And knowing that we've done that, you know, behind all that we've been through. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not love us? How can you not be like, dang? I mean, you understand? Well, getting, I mean, like, that's that's why everybody <laughs> copies everything that we do. There's that. That's why there popular culture, Man. like you think about America, what are we like 12, 13% of the population, but mm-hmm. we influence the whole culture. Yeah. Hip hop, I want to say, is like the number one consumed genre of music mm-hmm. started by us. Right. Well, York. and many of the other genres have been influenced by us also. Exactly. Or they, they still been, are. Or they, they just steal it. Or they still are, and, yeah. and they still call and they, it some other genre, but it's still, you know, exactly. uh, influenced by some of the stuff we're doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I think we are influenced by others as well, and that's amazing. But I think the, the difference is, you know, being able to have the, whether you want to call it black girl magic, black boy joy, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We, um, I mean, the brilliance, the excellence, the vibrant, real, robust beauty that is just in every set of eyes that you see on a child when we look at you know who we are i mean and this is one of the reasons especially in portland when there's not a lot it not even necessarily in portland but when we see us the head nod the i see you all that kind of stuff it comes from a realization that we have been through but we're still here i gotta speak to that though okay okay that is necessary what is necessary the head nod the oh, absolutely absolutely but sh- some of y'all brothers in beaverton <laughs> I don't know what it is. I work in Hillsboro. 
And I be seeing some brothers out there, and they don't nod. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, you hold, know what? I'm like, whoa, hold on, my my brother. Right, right. You see me? I see you. We, we in the hallway. We see me. Right. I, I remember one time. I remember <laughs> like the first couple months I, when I was at my job. Yeah. When the break room was no black, I was like, oh, you know there can't be two of us here, right? And I'm just like. <laughs> Like who are these Beaver to Like y'all brothers On the west side Man I love y'all But y'all got a head nod man There can be more than one of us In one space at the job It's okay Wait I don't know It's just on the west side I'm gonna say it's wherever It's wherever Wherever we are But what I will say is Um Yeah that I mean it's real That's definitely real (laughs) That is real for sure I think You know I think The crazy thing is I mean you mentioned We were talking about this earlier Before we We started recording Um Being connected to being connected to us, seeing us, like being just around, you know, enough of us, not enough of us, but when you're just, when you're immersed in the Mm -hmm. beauty and the, Mm -hmm. like, that is us, you don't, you don't necessarily have to reach out and see and say that I see you. I mean, you do, you still do, but it's just, it's, it's understood. It's it's, we're here, we all here. It's just, it is right. But when we're here, when we're here, because there's so much, um, separation and because mm-hmm. we have to the code switch i mean the one thing i would say is the pacific northwest and those who are growing up on the on the west coast or who just aren't as connected to like you know a robust amount of you know where we're not the highest percentage mm-hmm. of people our code switching skills man oh are second to none it's because it's, it's like we only i don't even think about it you, well it's, it's never it's never a thought it just is and yeah. you can be in a full conversation with you know taught at the water cooler <laughs> Two black folks, another person of color, and two white folks, and yeah. have a conversation with all three of those different groups of people, mm-hmm. and every single thing happens. And it's easy, and it's yeah. seamless, because yeah. we've had to all our life. Mm-hmm. But um, the interesting thing is, for, for us here, we definitely need to engage and need to connect. Mm-hmm. But I feel like being comfortable, and being comfortable is not easy, Excuse me, being comfortable is easy. Mm-hmm. But being comfortable also in this space here also means white people being comfortable. Because when white people aren't comfortable, they're going to make you uncomfortable, right? They're going to let you know that they're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we need to. I'm saying it's really easy just to let people, let white people just do what they do. Mm-hmm. Let to, to It's easy to just, your life feels easier when you don't say, you know what, let me tell you that was racist as hell. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You can just sit around and just be like, please white people what the hell and I'm sure and I still you. I mean I still say what the hell to myself yeah 20 times a day at least <laughs> like what the hell did she just say what did Becky Becky <laughs> Becky and sorry I have some good friends whose name are Becky but you know you already know it's your name your mama it's just it in the you. most general sense yes right but but um I feel like it is easy for us to stay comfortable in the moment and comfortable in the moment means um, oftentimes white people being comfortable and we I think we have to outgrow that if we already haven't and I think and actually I think one of the beauties of what um, is emerging has been emerging what we kind of see and feel now you know in recent times is um, not giving any I, I don't know if it's okay to you good right you good not giving any fucks about what white people think right like right. literally giving zero fucks about about stuff yeah and that and how brilliantly amazing that feels to just be like, you know what? That was racist as fuck, Becky. And I'm going to tell you that's the case because it is. And I'm just going to be about myself and I'm right. going to go do this over here. Um, 
But I guess why I'm saying that is because the nod and all the different things that allow us to engage with each other mm-hmm. mean we have to step out of out of that that comfortable box that is we're all just here and we're all just you know and we're colorblind and I don't see you any different Jamal you're just mm. the same as me and we're mm. all the same but when we have to do that head nod because you know when you see a head nod that's not legit you know if mm-hmm. I mean well it's, when it's I go up and they go there. down I'm like oh oh man. you can't go down and I went up nah, right no, right I'm like, <laughs> right. right and then for women you know it's um what do y'all do well, I mean, it's a whole... Y'all, it's y'all whole don't do head nods, do you? We don't necessarily... I mean, I don't know. Everybody's a little different, but... And I don't want to necessarily just genderize it that only men and only women do this. I mean, I think we all do everything. But what I would say is, you know, when, I mean, you, you've you probably seen some of these memes when a woman... When a black woman has something that looks good. Girl... Look! Look at them! Right. Look at them earrings! Look at that dress! Oh, <laughs> look at them heels! Though, right. like you know, whatever it is. However, we're gonna talk about it, yeah. girl. You were working it, girl. You fly, whatever it is, mm-hmm. girl. Right? And there's all the different things. Yeah. Um, it might just be an eyebrow lift. Like, girl, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you doing that, or I see you over there dealing with that Becky or with that whoever. Because <laughs> uh, you know we do. We all have right. to deal with it. Um. I think there are different ways that we engage. It might not be a head nod, but it's certainly an I see you, I mm. feel you, I'm here with you. Yeah. And um, and it runs the gamut, whether it's at work around the water cooler because somebody just says some bunk stuff or mm-hmm. it's in the street and we see, I mean, you know, anytime I see a cop stop anybody, the first thing I do is stop and look and see if it's somebody black because if it is, at this point, I feel like I'm going to pull over, pull mm. out my phone and just watch. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, and, you, you brave. I'm not, I'm saying, but that's the feeling that I have. That's mm. the, I see you. I see you is more than just, I see you. It's yeah. how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you right. need something? That's the, I see you. Mm-hmm. And I think over here, we have to do that much more because there's only a few of us and yeah. it's really easy for us to fall through the cracks. I don't know. I think it just, cops have such itchy trigger fingers, trigger fingers around black men. I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I see the berries and the cherries. You know mm-hmm. what I, mean? I see them lights behind mm-hmm. me. Like I get nervous. I remember I get nervous, and I'm I got like my my insurance is legit. My my I'm telling you, I, my stuff is paid, and I'm still like, am I going forty miles an hour? Like oh you know, I still God. get yeah. I was on the phone Reality. yesterday, like turning into like Whole Foods parking lot, <laughs> and I seen some police. I was like, oh, and my friend was like, bro, you alright, bro? You good? It's like, nah, man. I, I just seen a police car, bro. Like. I thought they was about to get me. <laughs> like, I was just the be... The trauma is real. It's real, man. He's like, bro, ain't you at, in the parking lot? I was like, yeah, man, but still. It doesn't matter. We can, you know, we, don't, we can be anywhere. <laughs> Somebody, there was some shirt or some meme or something that came out and it was like, it was like a literal list of recent, not even like forever oh, ago, yeah. but like recent, like when, where we can't be. What we can't do what while, can't while do being black. While being black. Yeah. It was everything. Yeah. yeah every, be in our the, own house. Mm-hmm. Be in our, you know, breathe. Mm-hmm. Literally, like it was, the, and, and that, ugh. That hurt me something fierce because it was so real. Mm-hmm. Because every single one of those lines had a life. It was like twenty it. different it's scenarios, plus, right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Mm. It, the, yeah, that's I. That's just my heart right now. I was just literally feeling that, and that's that's a part of trauma, right? Those things we feel so, and are real. Speaking of that, um, yeah. I was uh, doing my little homework. Okay, okay. And so you were on, this is 2015. Mm-hmm. You were on the board. Uh, what was it? It was some committee for like police officers in the community mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading, you had said like, y'all was having some cool conversations, but stuff wasn't getting done. So you wanted to oh, take a break. Oh, what oh, was oh. that? Oh. Is that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, can no. We, we, can we talk about that? Oh, 
absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So okay. this was, um, I was on board. So I was the chair of the City of Portland Human Rights Commission. There you go, yes. And um, there, uh, and, and there's a lot behind that. Um, but what I will say is uh, one of the committees, um, so the commission had many different uh, things that it was working on and yeah. the way that the work was organized was typically under a committee so a particular, mm. like a housing committee or this committee or this committee would um would do particular work mm-hmm. and i you know was um i got onto the commission not assuming that i was going to take a leadership role right away in any way shape or form i just thought i was going to be learning and i still mm. felt like i was learning mm. and um uh, very quickly um, served as a vice chair and then rolled into the chair role. And, you know, what I believe about leadership is um, whatever's good or bad is certainly at the end going to be a part of what you are responsible for. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't even care if it's not your if it's not your role. You might be the chair and that might mean really just facilitation of general meetings mm-hmm. or you might be the chair who's leading a vision. Um Whatever it is, if you are the leader of whatever group, whether it's the PTA, you know, whether it's the bake sale, whether it's the car wash because somebody just passed and we need to get some money. Mm-hmm. If you're the leader and stuff doesn't go right, it's on you. And um, and so I believe that as a like a true leader looks at and knows what's going on from the bottom to the top, from the left to the right, through and through, mm-hmm. understands it, mm-hmm. um, can do the work. And can support whoever's in that role, helping to lead whatever aspect of that work that there is. And when I got there, this particular group um, had been, you know, together for years and had been doing some amazing work in the city of Portland. Mm -hmm. By the time I had gotten there, some of that work had kind of fallen into like a lull. Mm -hmm. And by a lull, I mean, it just wasn't as effective. And by that, I mean, there were still issues. There are still issues that um, the city of Portland Police Bureau is dealing with. That's why they had a DOJ settlement. That's why they're still in the middle of this DOJ settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the proximity of the Human Rights Commission to the mayor, to the police chief at the time, and to all the different entities that it had meant there was a specific responsibility that we had to do good work. Because we had much more connection to I mean the we had a direct you know the the we could talk and work with the mayor directly we could talk and work with the police chief directly which meant I should be getting some work done Mm. and if I'm connected to and working with these people and supposed to be doing all these things and nothing's happening then I would hope people would call me on it now granted I had just stepped into the role and so I didn't know what was going on or not but when I was simply asking what's going on how is this working how can we how can we fix it what do we need to do like let's strategically look at it let's break it apart, let's unpack it, let's put it back together, let's make it effective. And let's make it effective, not just because my name's on it as a leader, but because I need Portland to be a better place for me and my daughter to live. I need Portland to be a better place for me and my daughter and whoever she's eventually going to partner with to live, right? And um, and if this, if this is one facet, one opportunity that I have to make this better, and it's not going well, I'm not just going to sit there and be like, oh, you guys are doing some work. If it's not effective, let's find out why it's not. And at the time, the person who was leading that particular group, um, I think was a little bit hesitant to work with me on mm-hmm. what really unpacking, excuse me, what really unpacking and open opening the cupboards and really looking through, trying to find out why it wasn't working. And, and I think in particular, it wasn't working because um, the emphasis was more on building relationship with the police department 
versus using established relationships to get to change. Maintaining a relationship to me is nowhere near as important as it is as the experience that I have and that others and that black men and black women and trans, you know, people of color have in the streets. If I have a relationship with cop so-and-so, that's all good and dandy for me and cop so-and-so. But at the same time, I'm a black woman. And as soon as I'm not next to cop so-and-so, I'm beholden to any other cop who sees me, right? And that's right. just me personally. Yeah. And that's me with the relationship. Mm-hmm. But I'm not working just for me with the relationship. I'm working for Dante and Jordan and all the other people who don't have these relationships exactly. so that they don't have to necessarily have a handshake best relationship. I want to make sure that wherever they are, that their experience is better, that their experience is what true justice looks like. And right mm-hmm. now we're not we're not close to that. Mm-hmm. And that group, that organization wasn't anywhere near as effective as it needed to be. And my name wasn't going to be connected to something that wasn't doing anything better. Mm-hmm. And so I kept saying to the leader of that particular group, let's talk about more than just building and maintaining a relationship. Let's talk about utilizing those relationships to get us to a place of actual true change. And um, and and when normal kind of um, kind of amenable, really nice conversation wasn't making anything happen, mm-hmm. I said, OK, well, I'll start showing up to the meetings. I'm the chair of this entire commission. I'll just start showing up to your meetings and seeing what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when I started showing up to the meetings and I still didn't feel like I was getting anything, mm-hmm. then I decided to ask some more questions. And I kept asking questions and... When um, I still wasn't seeing any effort and when I felt like people were really wrapped up in meetings happening for the sake of meetings and again, not yet enough real, true, effective change, I said, well, instead of running around just having a meeting, why don't we stop the meetings for a little bit, step back, understand what's going on, regroup and start it back again. I was never about like, let's just never have this group going. I was about, let's make sure that the work that's happening here is effective. And if it's not effective... And it sounds like there was a lot of pushback. There was a ton of pushback. When you decided to make that decision. Absolutely. So how did you navigate your way through that? Or what what happened? Because I didn't didn't really get to the rest of the article. Well, there were relationships, you know, the person who was running it at the time, and I'll just say this is not a person of color, um, uh, who... I think felt that I was overstepping my bounds, who felt like I didn't understand the history. I mean, he said this many times. I think he thought that I was just this young girl who was coming in trying to change stuff because I didn't understand how effective this had been before. And I said that that was, I, you know, I appreciated him for telling me exactly how he felt, but that was the farthest thing from the truth. You know, you are sitting over here and doing this good work because you feel... Like, it's what you're called to, okay? It's what you feel you're effective at, okay? But at the end of the day, if it doesn't change, it's not really going to affect you as a person because you still get to walk around as a white man in the city of Portland, and you're probably going to be okay in a way that, you know, I keep using the names Jordan and Dante and who are, I'm just saying, just general people, mm-hmm. my folks, our mm-hmm. folks, my nephews, my brothers, don't get to walk around in that same privilege. Mm-mm. And so for you... I'm sure you're called to it, you know, this person, I'm sure. But it, I, so that relationship, you know, I think he was just mad that I was coming in, shaking stuff up. And I'm like, I don't know what you think this is about. This is, it's not about maintaining a relationship with you. I appreciate you. You're a good person, but I'm about change. Like that's the whole reason I'm spending hours and hours and hours every single month away from my daughter, leaving work early. I mean, for me to do that work meant I had to work with my, um, 
boss at the time to make sure that they knew that this was something that was valuable to me and I needed to this needed to work around my schedule so I came in early so that I could leave early for these meetings I did a ton of I mean that's just what it is right I'm not even gonna get into the work It, it was work to do it but I wasn't there I wasn't spending that time (laughs) to just be there. I was there to get some work done. Mm -hmm. And work done to me with that, again, such close proximity to the mayor, to the chief of police, to all these different people to do this work and to call them on things and to move us further. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be sitting over here worried about a relationship. Relationships are important, especially in the city of Portland. But we have to do, we have to make some change. And so it happened. People are are still probably mad. And people, in fact, everybody came up to me there was so much public comment about why they thought I was just making the wrong decision and I took it and I heard it and I learned mm-hmm. and listened and allowed it to affect change in what I was doing. But I also said, we need to do better. And so, you know, people weren't exactly excited, but it is what it is. Hey, so how, how long, but you handled it. You did your thing. It obviously has not affected you. It had, has not stopped you from doing what you do. You're still doing great things in the community. So that's what to. it is. Trying yeah. to, yeah. yeah. So how long were you in that role? Um, a few years. I was on the commission, I think, from 2014 and mm-hmm. till 2017. And okay. I was the chair for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you weathered the storm. You, you you stayed with it. You know what I mean? Well, there was more stuff that came after that. But yeah, yeah, it was. But, you know, really, truly. And, and thank you for asking me about that. I mean, I had to, I decided to step away from that work when I realized that I was spinning my wheels and doing so much work mm-hmm. um, that wasn't directly tied to my community and by that I mean the black community yeah. and uh, like Issa Rae said, said I vote for everyone black right yeah. and there's so much going on within our community against our community all kinds of things I felt like I'm not going to continue to spin my wheels around something that isn't going to directly affect us mm-hmm. and there were so much interrelational things that were happening there especially caused by some of that that I was like you know what let me come over here and get connected to organizations that are about us and so that's why I'm still connected to and do work with the Urban League, you know, Paul, all kinds of different groups that are mm-hmm. really connected to work for us, by us, and to affect change for us directly. And mm-hmm. that's um, and that's what I try to spend my time more so on now. Awesome. I mean, I could we could talk for about two and a half, three hours about right. <laughs> your life and what you do because you make a lot of stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I sh- for the sake of time, I want yeah. to touch on a few more things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, big brothers, big sisters. Yeah. So that's that's when we kind of when you had left Nationwide, you took yeah. that on full time, yeah. and you were running it. You were just I was around. I was just the director of, Plus, of community relations. <laughs> you had director in your title. I in did. my mind, you running it. I'm telling everybody, <laughs> hey, my homegirl running that over here. Hey, so um, there was something that you got recognized for. It was like 2012 Scanner mm-hmm. New Person of the Year, Newsmaker of the Year, Newsmaker yeah. of the Year. Mm-hmm. Boom. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you were part of that organization, you were, mm-hmm. you were the director, and then you were also working with the 1145. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The tell, me, tell me about that. Yeah, so 1145, uh, there were, I think, about six local church, churches, I would say predominantly black churches, that yeah. came together to, um, to work on, um, to work in the community. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, we have these, this congreg- these congregations that come together and, um, they come together at least once a week, right? We have a collective power of just numbers, time. How do we also work in the community? And, um, you know, uh, my home church, Life Change Christian Center, at the time, Mark uh, Strong, Pastor Strong, 
was all about this work, was right mm-hmm. into it. And I said, you know, um, and, and as they were talking about what the work, what the work was going to be, what the community work was going to be, lifting up and working with our children was always a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I happened to be working for Big Brothers Big Sisters and I just shared, if you ever want me to let folks know how they can get connected, I'd love to make sure that they know that we have kids on our waiting list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people who don't know what Big Brothers Big Sisters is, I'm sure you have, it's a mentoring organization that connects um, children who are interested in having a mentor with uh, a you know person who wants to be a mentor. Um, and the organization primarily has always um, wanted to, if a, if a child and if a, a family is interested in um, like matching uh, with a mentor who shares the same ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we've always, we've all heard the, uh, you know, wanting a young black man to be able to see a strong black man, you know, as a mentor. Right. Um, or, or anyone, but in particular, recognizing like what it means to see something and see yourself in someone and how important that is. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I was just going to church because that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely recognized that we had a plethora of community members. And I was like, if folks really want to do this or if they want to be connected to the youth, like I have an organization with kids right now who are waiting. Mm-hmm. And so let me just come and share with you what's happening there. Um, and so we partnered and... Um, one of the evenings that we got to that 11:45, and so what happened is they were hosting different nights that were really wrapped up around working in the city and mm-hmm. for stuff so it wasn't like necessarily just it wasn't just praying prayer was definitely a part of it mm-hmm. um it was there were four different uh sectors of work essentially that 11:45 was coming together around and prayer was certainly one of them caring was one of them oh my gosh i'm gonna miss one mentoring in youth was one and um and i think it was a like presence and so you had the folks that were going out to like the malls and just being a presence in Mm -hmm. areas uh Mm -hmm. and and saying i see you i'm here with you whether it was with the youth or in the mall or something like that anyways and so um one night i got up and asked people to you know think about becoming mentors and we had 85 people sign up in one night which was we had never had that before and not just 85 people sign up but people black folks people of color Mm -hmm. all kinds of people Mm -hmm who, you know, heard what I had to share about the kids in the Portland area who we had waiting. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we had had thousands of kids who were waiting, wow. who had signed up, who had brought, you know, moms had brought their kids in, signed them up saying, I, I really think it'd be important for my child to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. And so to, and it, you know, we I could go, a part of my work was going and signing people up and getting them engaged and interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. And I could be out for hours and sign up seven people, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those seven, how many people would actually end up becoming a mentor? I don't know. But so in one night, you know, speaking for five, 10 minutes, I think I was maybe up there talking. If that the 85 people sign up was huge. Yeah. Um, And um, the the award, the newsmaker of the year, I think, came from that and some of the other efforts uh, that I had just been in the midst of or, or had helped to lead while I was at Big Brothers Big Sisters. And it was exciting. I mean, there are still mentors and, and mentees that are together from that. Um. And I think it's amazing. I mean, anyone who has a mentor, who's benefited from from mentoring, who, you know, is a mentor now currently, I think you know how how amazing it is, right? How oh, yeah, I, I did it, it for be. a good year. Right. Yeah, it, right. Was, it and, was awesome. And it's so amazing. I mean, I think oftentimes we hit, we used to hear from the mentors, they think that they got more out of it than they think the kid might have gotten. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we don't, you know, in a lot of community work and a lot of work that is dealing with youth, um, you don't always hear right away if it was ever beneficial because mm-hmm. they're in the midst of youth and adolescence. And then eventually later on, maybe when they're grown 
and they either choose to volunteer on their own or make some sort of difference on their own and they, mm-hmm. they're like oh yeah I remember Emmanuel used to be my mentor I remember he said this one thing to me and you're like oh I he heard that. it <laughs> and it was only a year that I spent with him or whatever and so yeah. I was just really excited I mean the work for me was extremely you know we talked about being homeless and I had people that I had grown up with that um, helped me through some situations and so to be able to make connections for kids in our community right here who needed someone and to connect them to people who wanted to do something to me I mean, I got paid to do something that I love, you know, and I still think of it that way. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. It was hard work, but it was amazing. Yeah. It was good. It was good. I was, I was so happy for you when you got that position. (laughs) I was like, yes, like she made it up out of here. Cause you was already doing the work, you know, and, and you was, you was holding it down. And I don't know if when you had brought me in there and, and I got signed up, I don't know if you were actually the director at that time. Yeah, well, I I was the well, I was so there was executive director. I was never the executive director. Okay. <laughs> I was the director of community relations and diversity programs. Okay, okay. So um, a, a, a lot of community relations building uh, partnerships with employers and different mm-hmm. groups to get them engaged in, mm-hmm. in essentially what we just talked about, yeah. becoming mentors, um, and then working with our diversity programs. So we had an African American advisory board, Latino and Native American advisory board that mm-hmm. were helping to ensure that the mentoring relationships. And the systematic things that we were doing were closer to what we wanted it to be then. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Big Brothers Big Sisters have been around for 100, has been around for 110 years or so now. Wow. So 110 years ago, stuff was way different. Right. <laughs> and, of course. <laughs> and they're still developing and still needed to continue developing even mm-hmm. now. Um, anyways, but these advisory boards that we helped um, uh, put together were to ensure that we were consistently reflecting and working with the community to make ourselves better. Uh, and there were some amazing people who served... Um, on the advisory boards and now who serve on the board of directors Mm -hmm. to help continue to lead that organization mentoring is good period Mm -hmm. whichever organization you do it through whether it's big brothers big sisters or anything it's amazing right yeah and so tell the people what you're doing now what are you where are you working in so now i'm at portland community college Mm -hmm. i still do community relations i mean i left were you oh you were asking when i left as a vice president of big brothers big sisters I was there. Is that what you were asking before? You said if I would. Anyways, so I did a lot of work while I was there. It was yeah. good. It was great. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mentoring yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I left. Uh, I left from Big Brothers Big Sisters as the vice president of brand experience and came to Portland Community College. Mm-hmm. And so now I do community relations, um, community and government relations for uh, PCC in particular for our southeast campus. Okay. And um, that campus is, you know. Uh, Southeast 82nd and Division. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's been in Portland, um, you know, you know where that's at. You know where that's at, mm-hmm. and um, and what's happening there. And so um, a lot of similar work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, recruiting people. I'm not uh, anything like that. But I get to do um, amazing work uh, for folks who are going to who come to community college. And I think when you think about college as a cause. Uh, a community college is where that's lived most thoroughly. You know, mm-hmm. some people, some people used to call it, you know, JUCOs or junior colleges, and mm-hmm. we, I, sometimes I think we even denigrate the concept of going to a community college. Mm-hmm. And for some people, a community college uh, feels like it's not yet a university. But I think increasingly so, especially now when you people are talking about you know free community college, people are seeing it as a savvy, um, much more economic way to to. To get through college and I think mm-hmm. for most people it's not just about going to college and stepping on you know the college campus 
and taking your first class is about making it through and getting out uh, with the degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, for many people, in fact, for most people who go to a community, community college first and then transfer over to a university, they statistically do better than those who start out as a freshman at a four-year college. Um, yeah, because they wasn't kidding their first two years. <laughs> partying their first right. two years. they usually work at the same time. Super distracted. Yeah, right. I right. know about that. There's right. a ton of stuff. And community colleges have a, a huge, a huge amount of work to continue doing to do, including Portland Community College. Um, however, it's it's great. I, I love the work that I'm doing. I love the, the students that I'm working with. Some brilliant, mm-hmm. amazing, uh, spirited students in a community that is vibrant and um and and deserves everything that comes from all the benefits that you are able to receive both financially you know holistically as a person and a knowledge base that you find when you go to college Mm -hmm. and so i'm excited to do that work yeah um, and in fact i get to see some of the kids that were little brothers and little sisters on campus they're like hey miss brie and come up and it's amazing whether they've had kids by now or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's awesome to kind of see full circle yeah that's awesome yeah you know what kind of going backwards Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. so when i went to texas southern there's a lot of people from portland that came down really it was like the wave because <laughs> but now i think about you talking about pieces like a lot of y'all shouldn't care <laughs> because those first two years first of all it was if your first two the the prereqs and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. that was easy mm-hmm. it was so easy mm-hmm. but it easy was, for some yeah well I, okay yeah. I, it was easy for me yeah um yeah. I was. I had never black had a, excellence. Black Hashtag ex- black excellence. Hey, I, I'm not trying to. I'm just saying it was. It was pretty easy. But then when I got into my majors, it got real hard. But um. Yeah. But you know the schoolwork wasn't that hard, and you had so much fun, mm-hmm. so many parties. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was a lot of people. It was a parties. lot of people that didn't make it. Yeah. Because yeah. of that. Yeah. And it, you know, and it. If you couldn't handle it, maybe a, a community college would have served you better. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's I think it's just smart for us, not just as Black people, but just as a community to uh, to to literally check out the community college in your area. Yeah. Not only is it almost always going to be far less expensive, mm-hmm. almost like a th- it most community colleges, in relation to like the state school. Mm-hmm. Is going to be like a third of the cost. And so I'm not even talking about private colleges or right. HBCUs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, H- Howard was expensive way back in the days, mm-hmm. even more so now. But yeah. most community colleges in relation to the state universities and schools that are in their, their those areas are going to be at least a third of the cost. And so I think just from a cost perspective, look at it. I think the classes are oftentimes always much smaller. You have... Um, typically an opportunity to engage with your actual instructor versus just the TA or, you know, you're not one in a class of 400. You're usually one in the class of maybe 40, you mm-hmm. know, in PCC, there are many classes that are 24 or less. And so mm-hmm. your capacity to literally work with your instructor, your professor is, you know, much, much more so. Um, and for many people, when I think about the students that I work with, they talk about how, you know, the campus sometimes feels like a, a family, you know, the people you work with the people you, yeah. you get to build yourself up. And so I think stepping into that transfer space and place, um, you just are much stronger for it. Like you said, you you know, um, you you've done your prereqs, you've gotten through some of that basic stuff, and now mm-hmm. in your junior and senior years, you're really able to delve into whatever you hope to get into later. Right. Whether that's um, you know something in the STEM field or something in the humanities, whatever it might look like, you are much more so aligned, hopefully, with um, 
with just being at a, at a stronger space as a junior than you would have been um, in another case. And it's cheaper. I mean, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, any money I can save, right? Because then Man. I can go and buy whatever I want to yeah. after. <laughs> Not just buy whatever I want to, but yeah. I can invest. I can do whatever and, too. And, that's, but, and that's the thing. A lot of people, and I was fortunate because I had like partial academic scholarship. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't that much, mm-hmm. but they did waive my out-of-state fees because yeah. they were giving me money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason. So you get on there, you party, and you like stacking up these loans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like cats had like twenty thousand dollars loan is real. after real. after two years, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude, that's more right. than I, you know. It's, right. So I mean, uh, I think it's just it's imperative for us to ask ourselves what is the smartest decision for us to make, and and to not feel some kind of way about the fact that it's a JUCO or, a, or I don't even do people even call it JUCOs anymore they only I mean, call it JUCO when it's like sports when it's sports right it's and sports. I mean I play sports so I'm like I feel Word. like I remember it being called like JUCO but yeah. um, a community college I mean I think if a community college is right there where you are I think if a community college affords you um, I, I think a few things think it through do your research talk to someone who's been if you if you're thinking about coming to PCC and you want to talk through, you can talk to me. You know, I'm I'm not in in admissions and enrollment, but I can certainly connect you to the person who is. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly share with you um, what it might look like for you as a person, or just go to PCC and you know find out some more from other folks, or whichever community college might be in your in your you know neighborhood. I don't know who's all listening here, but you know, <laughs> just give yourself yourself a chance to check it out for sure. Do you research? Always do your research. Count the costs. There you go. And see where you need to go. You yeah. know what I mean. So, coming to a close. Yeah. It's been a great session with you. Thank you. It's been fun. No doubt. Glad you came through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one thing I'm starting to do now is called the Fab Five. The so Fab Five. So, five questions okay. that I ask everybody. Okay. okay. Question number one. Oh, goodness. It's not. It's not. Okay. Long. All right. <laughs> this ain't no shade room. Okay. Type stuff. Okay. Uh, what artist or album made you fall in love with hip hop? Mm. Dang, just one? One artist. If it's a tie, go ahead and give me two. How you gonna give me one? Just one. Was there an album that impacted your life? Oh, man. Just even the, I, I mean, I'm trying to, sh- most people do like a top five, but it's okay. Let me, let me try. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm, I already talked about Questlove before because okay. Questlove is like who he's like my if Questlove ever listens to this I mean I <laughs> I have a man right now and I love him and he's amazing but but if that didn't work out Quest I just want you to know like I will give you some sons like it'll be amazing no I'm um, I'm serious uh, <laughs> she's not playing. the roots I'm not playing he's amazing but um, uh, I mean the I would say the I'll just use the the roots I mean I think yeah. that they continue even today whether it's on jimmy fallon or not um mm-hmm. to just amaze me and i'm pretty sure it has something to do with quest love but um you know uh jay dilla i mean I, there's so many i don't how am i gonna only choose one this doesn't make any sense to me like it's give me three way too hard give me three it's way too hard well i mean girl i grew up in southern right so like mm-hmm. tupac right i can't not like tupac is is a part of that is he is I am he is us he is a part of us yes. so Tupac absolutely obviously mm-hmm. um, I would say the roots are, are definitely who I am and mm-hmm. uh, I mean you know Jay 
back and he was definitely on the you know he was you know jay-z hova he was on the on the east coast for sure but mm-hmm. i think i still you know i mean nah okay i'm uh, okay <laughs> TLC, can you, they they're hip hop. Can they? Can, I don't. Well, I, I'll I don't, put them in there. I'll, I'll put, put them in yeah. there. Yeah. So I'm gonna say TLC for me. Growing up was definitely a part of who I, I mean. You know, Tupac. Um, I'm all over the. This is you not, good. This is not good. No, you fine. The, you sorry, fine. sorry. All of them. All the black people. I vote all for everybody black. Vote for everybody. <laughs> everybody black. <laughs> good answer. Good there answer. You go. Is there a movie that affected your outlook on life? Mm, absolutely. Mm. Um, dang. So two of them. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say both of them because because I have to be real. Um, so Love Jones, absolutely. Okay. Oh my goodness, Love Jones is still like my it's, that's still <laughs> my ish. I still watch it, you yeah. know, and it's amazing. Hmm. Uh, um, so Love Jones, absolutely. I feel like I am such um, I'm so connected to what it means to be in love and what it means to connect to your emotional self, and I feel like hmm. that movie over and over and over. Both with the poetry and the music, that soundtrack. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's that classic. Soundtrack, that's classic. I'm gonna go home and listen to that tonight. I'm Michael. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring. We gonna listen to that. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Love Jones for sure. And then the other, I would say, is a part of kind of who I um, who I hope to be, and with regard to how I think about the world, the movie Serendipity. I haven't seen it. It's it's you know it's white people. It's okay. White people are we you know we love y'all too. But this movie Serendipity. The reason I love it is because it's all about the concept of 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 chance and something just being absolutely kind of without without structure and without plan and it coming together and it being um, absolutely serendipitous and it's beautiful and mm. watch it. It's cute. It's an old kind of rom com, mm. but it's good and. And it's sweet. And I would say, you know, moments in life that are serendipitous, I think, are almost always the sweetest because they don't feel planned. They don't feel like anyone has done anything. They just are. Dope. Yeah. yeah. It's it's um, funny that you mentioned, like, the music for mm. Love Jones. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, the movies that stick out to me, yeah. they always have to have, like, a great soundtrack. Oh, it cannot. Because a, it can't a, not. A, a soundtrack... It's mm-hmm. so important. Like the mm. score of a movie mm. is so important and uh, it's so underestimated. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe people in Hollywood, they know. But like somebody who does not take that for granted is right. Spike Lee. Because, oh, yes. Oh, my God. He yes. always has the best jazz he anything. He has amazing. Have you, did you see the recent series? I know some people didn't like it. I liked it. I loved it. But the, the She's Gotta Have It, it was a remake. How could you not like it? There are some people who didn't. There well, some they, people who well they, they didn't see the first one. I think I don't care. I just think there's some people who just need to see both and do some watching both. Watch watching both. How how could you? Okay, wh- I know, what did they say? May, I, I mean, I don't know. I heard you know on on the internets on the internet. You know how I we mean, get all we get all riled up on the internets. But oh anyways, I God. still I yes, she's got to have it. Was great. I yeah. love it for a, a host of reasons. Mm-hmm. But you are so right. The music of anything. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I mean, the soundtracks of our lives, right? We can think back to like when we fell in love, when we broke up, or when we got this new job. And you remember that song you was jamming to as you yeah. was like, yeah, I'm about to make this money. Like we remember <laughs> what it was. The soundtrack of life is so important to us. I think both as a people, but just for who we are. And so, yeah, Love Jones for me, it's just like, oh, that movie is, is amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. You kind of touched on this a little bit, okay, okay. but it might be a different answer. What book would you recommend everyone to read right now? Hmm. 
homegoing is good. Mm-hmm. Medical apartheid, I think, is important for us. Mm. And medical apartheid is important not just so we can delve into what, um, what was done that was wrong, but so we can understand. To me... We've heard people talk about health is wealth, right? You can make all the money, but if you ain't going to live to do anything with it, then it doesn't really matter that you made the money, right? Right. And so so medical apartheid goes into and talks about just some of, and I've used the word horrors, I think, too many times, but some of the stuff that went into what we experience even today in the medical field and health systems, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, uh, and how... Black people, black women in particular, were um, experimented on, right? There were people that went through and had surgeries where not uh, an ounce of, you know, um, of anesthesia or anything was given because, you know, black people didn't feel pain, right? All the craziness that was Mm -hmm. spouted back then. Mm -hmm. And so uh, medical apartheid breaks into and talks to us about that um, and so many other things. But I think it, it helps us to recognize... It helped me anyways to recognize how (laughs) advocating for yourself, especially in health systems, is so important Mm -hmm. because uh, regardless of race, regardless of whatever it is, we are humans. We are walking around in the sack of organs and whatever it is that we are. And um, I think we have to continue to become more brave in in our health care and in whatever that means for someone. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding uh, that at a deeper level, medical apartheid, I think helps. Um, I mean, it's going to make you sad. It's going to make you mad. All the same things, like oh. all the, all the, you know, like, like a lot of stuff does right now in America. But I think it helps you to understand where we have been, where we are now, and why it's so important for us, even today, especially today, to ask the questions, to do the research, to get second and third opinions, mm-hmm. to talk to so-and-so, to talk to so-and-so, and, um, and just... Uh, have some more um, agency and leadership in our healthcare. Yeah, um, we have to do it because again, we have to be here to enjoy the good soundtracks in life, the yes. love in life, all these kinds of things. Yes, all the black pa- Black Panther movies. There you go. Yeah. We gonna look fly. <laughs> I'm gonna look. I don't know about everybody else. I'm gonna look good. I'm gonna look I was good. talking to White last night. I was like, man, are we gonna dress up? Like, we, yeah, we, we gotta make this happen. I think everybody. I think everybody's wondering, like, are y'all really gonna dress up? Look, I'm. Look, don't have me coming out there. I mean, I, I don't care. I'm gonna come out there. I'm gonna look fly just by myself. But yeah. yes, dress up. Do the thing. If you already saw it, because this comes out later. Yeah. Go back and dress up again. Dress up while you're watching it at home <laughs> and take a picture. <laughs> Netflix looking and like chill, coming looking to good. America. Exactly. All coming house. to America. Right. Yes. That's funny. Um, <laughs> last question What message do you want communicated at your eulogy or for your eulogy? Oh, dang, that's deep. I know. Emmanuel, that's deep. Mm-hmm. What message? Man. I know you won't be there to enjoy it. Right. But if you could prepare it, uh, I mean, you know, communications um, and writing are a huge part of my job. So now you just made me think about like how I want it to be all like framed and all the different aspects of, of, of speech and communication and what that would mean. But really, I hope that um, if people are reflecting anything when they think about me, whenever I'm no longer in this sack of organs, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, I hope a few words come to mind and I hope that one of the words is authentic 
Um, I'm the same Shabri or Brie that you know, whether I'm sitting across the table from you talking into a microphone or we're working on making sure you you have food for your babies or making sure we're civically involved and we're sitting at a boardroom table. Hopefully people feel that I'm still and have always been the same authentic person that they knew me to be, mm-hmm. whether we're kicking it, you know, at the cookout or we're working on something, you know, in Salem or something. Um, so authenticity is something I hope people remember me for. Um, integrity, you mm-hmm. know, um, I think that's so important because I think when someone feels like they know that what they're able to share with you or to do with you is at the highest level of integrity, then they don't have to wonder, then trust becomes easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that's another word that I would hope that people would think about that they were able to trust me and to look to me when they needed something. Um, that I was a good mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have the one baby, Layla, she's 13 right now, and she is, uh, the absolute sweetness in my life, you know? Um, and so hopefully, uh, I've been trying to be a good mom. Hopefully I can still, still keep going while she's, you know, for the next five years, uh, forever. But I mean, at least until she's 18, right. You know, you gotta keep it, you gotta keep it tight while they're, while they're 18. Uh Um, and then hopefully just that they laughed when they were with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, uh, the world is hard and life is hard and we will go through, and um, mire through some incredibly hard things. And like I said, we we come from people who went through so much, so, so much worse than we ever had it. But um, hopefully in the midst of all of it, you've laughed with me. I've laughed with you. We've laughed together, um, you know, danced hopefully to a good soundtrack, something like that. Just mm-hmm. that. When you were with me, hopefully I was able to bring some sort of lightness into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. An amalgamation of all that stuff. Right. All that good stuff. Yeah. Nah, I I think that would be the overall message for sure. And for real, like, I I don't know if I told you, but I'm I'm just super proud of you. Oh, thank you. Like, (laughs) I'm blushing. Y'all can't see because you know you can't see when black people blush. But I am. Like, for real, like, every time I see you in the community, like, I'll see you at the sneaker ball or I'll see you at the Blazer games coming up. You know what I mean? I'll be like, man, you are doing it. Like, everything that I've seen in you at Nationwide, I was like, man, she's she's not living up to her potential. Like, there's so Mm -hmm. much more. Like, there was nothing that was going to hold you back. You know what I mean? If the opportunity is there, you're going to tackle it and you're going to make it happen. I remember I was super happy. Like, when you pulled up, in your in charger in your, at work, I was like, "Oh yes, Shabri <laughs> got a car." Hey, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I used to me and TriMet, me and the man. passes. Yes, I mean, I'm telling you, it got hard. I walked, I literally walked holes through my shoes. I remember them no stories. bigger. I mean, they were huge holes through my shoes, and I would, I, you know, I'd actually go and get the plastic. Uh, folders that they have at the stores now you know when you get ready for school uh-huh. and I would cut circles because at least I could put it at the bottom of my shoe oh and each day I would I would I would probably end up wearing out the plastic by the time I got home mm-hmm. but at least my foot wasn't like fully exposed to the oh ground my it was hard like the struggle has been hard it so was, when I man. when I pulled up in that charger hey it was, was used like, it, was, it was a used charger nah. I bought it used but you it know was I clean, paid, I, it was clean it was and clean I, <laughs> I paid it off a year and a half early gave them that good money said give me that good deed yeah. that good you know title yeah, give me my title give me my title yeah. um, and it was a proud moment for me and I think that yeah, I mean, I'm glad you were able to see that because you remember Word. the struggle was so oh, real. Oh yes, I remember so all real. that. Them, them, yeah, the uh, TriMet 
passes and transfers. You had to make sure you get you got that transfer right. Oh um, man, life is real. But the char- I still you know I still have the charger. Yeah. It is at it is at its wit's end. I need to trade that bad boy in. But it's hard. You know when it's my first car. Oh yeah, it was, it's, my it's, first hard, it's hard to let go. It's, it's still it's still dips go. though. I can still pass everybody. Word. A charger is no joke. It's, yeah. it's good. That maybe the next time I get a Hemi. Mm. But yeah, get, get that challenge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. But uh, yeah. I mean, if uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they contact you? Um, you can. Now you don't have to give out your cell phone number. I'm just uh, saying. Uh, th- no, nah, I can't. Okay. <laughs> you don't have people gonna be getting in trouble. I have but some no. people. Yeah, my number is like, man, just look, just give them Instagram. <laughs> not my number. Yeah. Uh, not even Instagram. You can just email me. Uh, okay. Just my it's shabri.vickers at gmail dot com. Uh, and that's C H A B R E dot Vickers V I C K E R S at gmail dot com. Um, and we can talk. For sure. Word. And if y'all didn't write that down, it'll be in the show notes so you can uh, see that when the when the episode comes out. So once again, appreciate you. Thank you. And, uh, no doubt. Nike sacks, broken stacks. Oh, what a And this is the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. We also celebrate life and honor great people. And that's what we did tonight. All right. So hope y'all enjoyed it and uh, check out the next episode because it's coming up next week. I'll let y'all later. Peace.